Welcome to this episode of Candid Conversations. Today, we're flying across the world. Let's see if you can figure out where we're going. You guessed it, we're in England. Yes, we're not in London though. We're going to Bath. Today we have um, Dr. Janet Rose with us, uh, Principal of Norland. Thank you very much for being here with us today. Um, could you provide a brief overview of the history and the founding principles of Norland College for Nannies? Yes, uh, absolutely. Hello. Um, lovely to uh, for you to invite me, so thank you very much for that. Um, yeah, Norland College has been around now for 131 years. So I won't go into the enormous detail of the history, but we'll be here all evening. But um, really, essentially, it was the first child childcare training institution uh, in the world uh, for home-based childcare. So the first sort of training establishment for nannies, what um, back then were called nursery nurses. So she literally created the nursery nurse profession, which has become the nanny profession that we know today and uh, also introduced for the first time uh, a professional role for um, someone caring for children in the home other than the child's own immediate uh, caregivers or parents, of course. So the, in that sense, it was very pioneering. Um, the, the institution was founded on two key principles um, or mottos. Uh, one is love never faileth. Uh, which um, really is about ensuring that you are the kind of person that um, is loving, nurturing, caring, uh, and so on. Um, but it wasn't just about care. Um, it was about the having the right theory, knowledge, and understanding of how to create um, the most optimal environment for a young, young child to thrive. So that was very much uh, at the core of, um, of what Norlin was all about and what she thought a nanny, or as they were known back then, as I said, a nursery nurse should be. In that sense, she was very much influenced by the work of Friedrich uh, Frubel, who I've probably mispronounced, a German educationist and philosopher who founded the kindergarten movement. So mm -hmm. everything was very much um, centered on the child uh, and uh, that's really the kind of the core guiding light, as it were. But alongside that was a second uh, main principle, and that is uh, strength in adversity. Uh, so this one, this is really a recognition that looking after young children is uh, a very demanding, complex, requiring enormous skills, insight and expertise. Uh, something that I think any parent would uh, uh, acknowledge um, uh, that, you yes. know, I'm sure every parent wishes they had spent uh, three to four years training yes. <laughs> how best to raise their child. And perhaps that's something that might happen in the future, who knows? Uh, I'm sure one day we'll have a parenting uh, qualification that uh, we're teaching our young, young people and young children. Mm -hmm. Not so much young children, but young people certainly. So that idea of strength and adversity is very important because it shows that you need um, resilience yes. and you need to be able to, um, you know, have strong executive functioning skills, be well organized, 
had good time management, um, having a lot of those um, skills, highly effective skills for managing um, the household, perhaps the family, working with the family. You need very strong communication skills. You need the capacity to um, deal with difficult uh, conversations and difficult challenging circumstances. Um, and so it goes on. So in that sense, we feel that she really captured the essence in those two mottos. Even though they're 131 years old, we still feel that they're very relevant for today's working nanny because uh, we think you need to have both of those key attributes, uh, sort of uh, principles, as it, as it were, running through your professional life with all the accompanying skills and attributes that go with them. So was Emily Ward a nanny herself or a nursery nurse? So Emily Ward herself um, actually trained as a teacher uh, under Frubel. Uh, and so she initially worked uh, in a school and um, set up a, a nursery school and uh, went on this journey to then set up the Norland Institute in London. And it's called Norland because it was set up at Norland Place. Uh -huh. and uh, in, in its place now is a private school in London. And every year, um, our final year students go up for a trip to London and they do um, all sorts of things there to sort of familiarise themselves with London because that's often where they end up working, but not always because they can also melt work all over the world. And um, it's now a, uh, a school, a private school, and uh, they always stop in there to... Oh to look at the heritage. Fantastic. And talking about um, your students, can you elaborate a little bit on the curriculum that you use at Norland? Obviously, the principles have remained the same. Um, um, yes. But what are the high highlighting highlighted areas that you focus on? So um, we uh, at Norland, they, we do two courses in this <laughs> One is a three-year um, BA degree in early childhood education and care. So the kind of degree that you would find perhaps in America, for example, for early years, early childhood uh, educators or anywhere else perhaps in the world. Uh, but alongside that, and I think this is what makes Norland particularly unique, is the practical Norland diploma. And the Norland diploma is based on the original qualification that was developed by um, Emily Ward. And what we've essentially done over the last 130 years is sort of evolved that initial training course that contained the very important elements of theory and combined them with those very important practical skills and alongside that practical placement experience. So real live hands-on experience with young children. Um, and so those three elements are drawn together into these two courses. So the degree, of course, understandably reflects all the knowledge and understanding uh, needed to know about uh, children's development and how best to support it and promote it and so on. Uh, and that includes ensuring that it reflects the most cutting edge research. So, for example, some key elements. Uh, of that is um, uh, understanding the new learning that's coming from the neurosciences, mm -hmm. uh, for example, and um, some other core elements uh, that we have really expanded and developed. Um, for example, the development of self-regulation, 
because we see that as the golden thread that runs through that degree and then is woven into the practical diploma alongside it. Because for us, if you can't uh, self-regulate, then you can't co-regulate and support a child. And for, we, we take a very holistic view to that. It's, it's not just about regulating your behavior or your feelings. It's very much about regulating your thinking, developing those functioning skills, but also regulating their sleep, their eating, yes. uh, all very important aspects. So very holistic uh, in that sense. And so the practical diploma, of course, will teach all some of those traditional skills that have been around for many, many years. We still teach them food and nutrition. So they're still learning all those cookery skills. Uh, and they learn everything from sort of filleting a fish to party cakes to um, sushi. So, of course, it's yep. become much more cultural. It's become mm -hmm. much more inclusive than perhaps 130 years ago. Um, it's, it's acknowledging, for example, children who have food preferences allergies you know there's so much more we now know and understand about food and nutrition all of that is now incorporated into the basic you know not just basic but quite sophisticated cookery skills and they still learn to sew so a lot of people think oh gosh that's old-fashioned but not so much anymore not so much in our new sustainable world or uh, certainly striving to be sustainable um, that whole concept of repair and recycle. So that's very much um, woven through uh, the sewing uh, yes. curriculum uh, in that sense. And they, you know, they make very practical things. They, they create beautiful role play capes or they'll create a transitional object for a child uh, and or an interactive pillow where they can, you know, perhaps recreate a nursery rhyme or something. So they, they, all the time we're, we're making relevant to their role as a learning and then accompanying all of that is the real world experience so our students go on to placements it's nearly 40 percent it's double the required placement experience here in England uh, that one needs to become an early years educator uh, and they they have a variety of experiences and again we've kept much to the traditions so they have experiences in schools uh, in um, kindergartens or the equivalent in daycare nurseries, for example, but they also have experiences working with families, of course, because that's where they're likely to end up working. They do both daily, they do live-in, they do full residential um, experiences. But alongside this, they also um, have a, a period of time with newborns, mm -hmm. uh, as well as uh, in a hospital. So we're very privileged that our students are able to have some experience of a maternity ward, and an emergency paediatric ward. So um, that's a valuable experience as well, because of course, uh, there's a whole value added curriculum to all of this that I'll talk about a little bit in a moment. But uh, the other aspect that I want to just flag up about placement is they all have an experience in a special needs environment. So we have a play group opportunities of children with additional needs, children who have their, um, perhaps learning difficulties, Mm -hmm. uh, and um, they also sp can spend time in an actual special needs school uh, or a school with additional needs. So they, we, we, we have entire modules on inclusion, for example, on um, promoting anti-discriminatory practice, um, certainly diversity, um, understanding cultural differences, respecting and valuing others. Another very, very important thread running yes. through the entire curriculum in every way. 
Um, but just to sort of round all of that off, we have what we call our value-added curriculum. Again, another unique aspect that you probably won't find anywhere else, or certainly we haven't in the world. Uh, and that's where we teach them all those additional layers that make a Nora Nanny so unique and special. So for example, we teach them first aid. Yep. So they get pediatric first aid tra training. Now that's fairly common for nannies, of course, mm -hmm. but we also have uh, military intelligence officers coming in uh, who um, teach personal and cyber security, cyber security particularly yes. in days. Um, and, you know, that's where we start getting jokes about jo James Bond and Mary Poppins and so on. We also have a black belt um, instructor come in um, of Taekwondo, who gives them some basic skills. Uh, we're not training them to be spies no. or black belt uh, karate champions or anything, but we're giving them some basic protective skills raising their awareness of self-defense, for example, how best to protect the children in their care, uh, and so on, because you never know what may happen. We, exactly. We, we have had graduates who were caught up in the Westminster attack, for example, and we like to um, think that we are helping to prepare them. And of course, this links very closely to one of the core principles of strength and adversity. So building that resilience in lots of practical ways, as well as that inner resilience in themselves. So we also cover um, baby massage, for example. We cover um, uh, masterclasses on things like emotion coaching, which is a co-regulatory strategy, evidence-based, um, where we certainly promote um, uh, ways to help build children's self-regulation rather than adopting some of the more perhaps um, more common ways of approaching children's behavior. We, we don't particularly endorse the timeout as such. Mm -hmm. uh, we prefer calming corners, so we don't really go along with all of the super nannies uh, ways of doing things. We, we, we draw a lot more on um, more recent research, of which there is quite a lot now, um, that suggests that um, developing children's emotional literacy and intelligence and social intelligence um, is is what's needed here in order to build resilient uh, children. And of course, this is a course uh, helps to ensure their health and well-being. So again, not just physical health, but emotional and mental health is fundamental, another lovely uh, thread weaving through Absolutely. all that we do. And so just to finish finish that bit off, we um, we we do often have to emphasize that a lot of people think that we're perhaps, taking a, a rather passive um, approach to managing children's behavior. But um, we, we make it very clear that this isn't about modicoddling children. This is a help about building those, uh, the capacity to regulate their own behavior. And we feed on the research that suggests this is the most effective way. So there is still boundary setting within that. There's still mm -hmm. maybe consequences within that. They're still working with the child to empower them to do things differently. It's certainly not letting children get away with poor behavior, but it is very much building that uh, inner sort of structure, shall, shall we say, um, for self-regulation. So those thoughts, those are some of the sort of things that happen. And then finally, just the last icing on the cake is that we prepare them for employment. This again is woven throughout the three years, but we sort of finish them off, finish off as it were, with um, employment weeks. Mm -hmm. In that time, we teach them about tax and pensions and contracts and yep. uh, insurance and 
uh, again, very important aspects for someone who's going to become self-employed. Uh, we have some wonderful optional modules as well that focus on particular aspects such as trauma. That's something that mm -hmm. is getting important attention now, quite rightly. Yes. Um, and even though uh, many of our graduates may go on to work with um, uh, perhaps more high net worth families, uh, everyone can experience trauma. Yes. We all experienced a global trauma with the pandemic, for example. So we, we also have focuses on the STEM or the STEAM subjects, so science and maths and, and, and mm -hmm. art and so on. Uh, or we might have a focus on um, uh, perhaps someone who wants to become a specialist working with young children, um, or perhaps specialism on uh, siblings. That's mm -hmm. another common topic or common yes. challenge that people might have. Uh, and also many of our graduates go on to become entrepreneurs. So we have, uh, we cover that aspect as well. So it, it is quite, a so yes. it, it's a lot to explain, but you can see how incredibly comprehensive it is. It is. And thank you very much for, for sharing all of that with us. Um, it, it did bring me back to my nursery nursing training days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not all of it, but most of it. Um, yeah. And it's interesting to see how the everything has evolved through the years. Obviously, I took my nursery nursing training 30 years ago, <laughs> so it was a long time ago. Yeah. But I'm of the same view that children um, learn better or live better if they are loved and know that they are loved. Uh, I mean, that's the linchpin. And for us, yeah. having love never faileth as our core motto, as well as the resilience building element, uh, for us just, just captures all of it. Uh, yes. And, you know, everything really emanates from there. All right, so let's move on to the Norland uniform. It's iconic. <laughs> Most people in the world know what uh, a Norland uniform looks like. Could you yes. share a little bit about the significance behind the uniform? And I know by speaking to your students um, that they don't wear it every day and they wear it for special occasions once they're finished the training. Um, and, and I know that um, there are two different uniforms now. There's a beige one and a blue one. That's right. Yeah. Um, so could you could you talk to us a little bit about the uniform? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, it, it gets a lot of attention. And yes. It um, uh, and of course, we we continue to have many many debates about should we you know is it is it making us look too old fashioned? Uh, do are we still relevant for a modern society, twenty first century global world? Um, so with this goes back and forth. Um, but we have retained the uniform partly as because, as you rightly say, it is iconic. It's um, but it also sets us apart. Um, but really, for us, the uniform is a symbol. It's a, it's a symbolic representation of a professional role. And the reason why we retained it, although adapted it over time, and as you say, we have a practical uniform, they always did, in fact, uh, um, which is blue, and we've retained the kind of brown, traditional brown for yes. the formal uniform. So, so the formal uniform is used for the degree elements of the lecturing, the formal occasions, graduation and so on. And the practical uniform is used for all the practical masterclasses and for the practical skills, for placements, 
uh, and so on. And the, the uniforms, uh, you know, uh, reflect the, the nature of what they'll be doing. We also have introduced a gender neutral uniform as well. So uh, I think it was very genderized in the past and it's less so now. So anyone can wear either, uh, for example, and have a choice with that. Um, but the students themselves want to wear it. Yes. Um, so we, we often ask them this uh, periodically. Um, we think, is it putting students off coming to us, you know, or, but actually they also know it's one of the main reasons they want to, um, they want to sort of wear this uniform with pride. Yes. Um, it shows that it sets them apart and it reflects the professionalism of their role. So for us, you know, if you think about a lot of professions, perhaps lesser than they used to be, but nonetheless, many professions have a uniform of mm-hmm. such, you know, the nurse, the medical profession, for example, um, in, the, in, the, in the services, the police officers. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are many uh, professions that uh, wear some semblance of a uniform. And so uh, for us, it very much represents not just 131 years of heritage and uh, traditional values, but also we've modernized it uh, in the sense of reflecting a more um, up-to-date world. Um, So we have retained it and we know it's controversial, uh, especially the hats, as you can imagine. But again, I think it it makes it special. And we like Hey, you like to say at Norland that we're elite, but we're not elitist. Mm. And I think that's a very important distinction to make because I yes. think there's a lot of stereotypes and myths and legends. And we're very much trying to encourage uh, a non-genderized profession. So mm-hmm. we, you know, we welcome male applicants. Um, we also welcome um, uh, students from all backgrounds. Fantastic. Um, this isn't some posh finishing school. Mm-hmm. Uh, 80% of our students come from the state school sector. Mm-hmm. So they're not privately educated. Uh, we have a very strong widening participation program. With, we have uh, clients uh, all over the world from all sorts of families and backgrounds and cultures. And so we really want our student population to ref- reflect that diverse world. So we very much welcome students from um, different ethnic backgrounds, for example. We have a strong bursary program to encourage um, students from different backgrounds to come uh, and as well uh, and so on. So we we are trying to challenge some of the stereotypes, the sort of merry stereotype around that. And whilst we realize that the uniform does reflect that a little bit, uh, nonetheless, uh, we feel it still is um, presenting something to the world that sets us apart, uh, but we hope in a positive, inclusive way. Fantastic, thank you. And how does Norland College stay current with advancement in childcare practices, early childhood education and evolving family dynamics? Yeah, very very good point. Um, Well, in order to not look obsolete and irrelevant, uh, it's very important that we do that because we, at the end of the day, um, we're here to meet the needs of children and their families. So it's very important that we remain in touch with what those needs are. So one of the ways we remain in touch with a child's development, for example, and needs is we have our own um, uh, uh, home-based educare um, research center 
mm -hmm. um, which is very new actually, although we have been doing research for some time. And we've also launched our own professional research journal yes. focused on home-based childcare. So we're trying to contribute to the field, particularly the field of home-based childcare, because it's very under-researched. Uh, and we want to try and give more attention and focus to it uh, and have contributions. It's a, an open access, but nonetheless um, peer-reviewed academic um, journal, for example. And we have uh, conferences um, that, to invite the latest research and developments uh, and so on. We make sure all our staff remain up to date. They're all um, um, you know, educated to a certain standard. Um, recently, myself and a head, one other head of department, Julia Gaskell, who herself is a Norlander. Uh, so we do have Norlanders who come back, which is great to work at. Yes, Norland. it's lovely. Uh, and we've recently been undertaking a fellowship in early relational health at the University of Massachusetts in America. Nice. So um, that's one way we help to ensure that we remain up to date. And of course, that um, covers all the latest research and thinking on um, uh, children's development and, uh, you know, what will create the most optimal environment for early uh, relational health and also for long-term mental health and well-being. Uh, and there's, we have masterclasses from experts around the world as well who, so for example, we have a masterclass on neurophysiology, mm -hmm. uh, so the latest sort of research on physical development and um, reflexes and how, you know, and, and, and some of the challenges that come from retained reflexes, et cetera. So uh, we've got, we have masterclasses on executive functioning, um, latest developments on how we can promote um, uh, uh, speech and language development, for example. So we have um, specialists uh, who come in and talk about that. So that's another way. Uh, we also um, uh, publish and write as well. We're developing, best practice guides. We hope to write a book one day, but keep putting, uh, one day that will get written um, as well. So there's lots of different ways that we're trying to make sure we do remain uh, relevant and up to date. But also in terms of our children and families needs, we um, are in close contact with our clients and our graduates. Uh, we invite contributions from our graduates of their experiences out in the real world, blogs, for example. Um, and uh, we also um, have an annual survey with our clients to sort of check um, uh, what what do they feel that nannies need? What 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 you know is there anything that we're not covering that they think might be important? Um, so we're constantly looking at ways of continually improving what we provide and what we offer to make sure it does it does remain uh, cutting edge and relevant. Fantastic, thank you. And I know that Norland College now accepts international students. Mm. Is the admissions process different to somebody who's applying from the UK? And how is that, um, it, obviously with Brexit, <laughs> how has that been affected by Brexit? Because obviously students will need to get a visa. That's right, absolutely. So um, we, what, when, Post-Brexit, uh, we applied for what you have to do in England is to apply for a student sponsor license, which means you're allowed to take international students. So we're very excited that we can now take international students from all over the world. So yes, there is a process, but we have our own 
international uh, student manager. No. So we take them to, if they're um, students from who don't have English as a first language, then we talk them through the process of what they might need to demonstrate their um, English language capability, for example. We, um, the actual entrance qualification uh, would be the same uh, in the sense of the same kind of level of academic capability, but we take, uh, we we, you know, we take into account international qualifications and their equivalents, and we're not asking for any one specific type of uh, entry level qualification. Um, we, we look at what, you know, what, what the equivalent would be, uh, and we're interested in both vocational based uh, as well as academic based um, uh, school qualifications for it's a high school graduate diploma, for example, uh, and so on. And um, and it, it, we particularly are interested in students from America, actually. That's not to say we're not interested in students from elsewhere, but the reason why we're particularly keen is because we have lots of jobs in America yes. and we can't fill them. Uh, and so just in New York alone, in the last few years, we've had 70 jobs we couldn't fill. So there's lots of jobs. Uh, we still have 100% employability, in, despite the economic turbulence, Yes. Uh, both post-pandemic and during the pandemic. Um, we have always had more demand than supply. We haven't deliberately kept it like that. We're not like De Beers trying to hoard diamonds or anything. But um, we, uh, we've we always, thankfully, had more of a demand than a supply. And because uh, it is quite a lengthy process to train an all and nanny and yes. educate all and nanny. Um, and so we, we are able to place all our graduates who finish their degree in a probationary post for a year. We call them our newly qualified nannies, where we just sort of polish things off, as it were. Yes. And that's paid employment at a, at a very, um, very good salary. Uh, within a year of graduating, they're on above average uh, qualifications. And uh, so in that sense, we can, we can offer places all over the world for the international students. And the great thing about um, uh, if you're an American, for example, wanting to go back into uh, to work in America, whilst you might need a visa to come here, and we do help you through that process, um, you'll you don't have to worry about needing a yes. visa to go back and work <laughs> exactly. because that's one of the challenges that our, our British students have. So, for example, so yeah, so uh, in that sense, but we have students from um, Australia, from um, Asia, from uh, Europe, uh, and so it goes on. Okay, fantastic. And finally, based on your extensive experience, what are three key tips that you would offer aspiring nannies to become exceptional in their profession and positively impact the families they work with? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, for, for me, you need to have that passion and commitment to mm -hmm. want to work with children. You want to be fascinated, fascinated by and enthralled by and delighted by uh, children. Uh, and so if you don't, so I, I don't know if that's so much a tip as an attribute uh, to be a successful nanny, because that will carry you through everything, uh, I feel. I think the, the second most, uh, the best tip really is to have a really good understanding of self-regulation. I think it's the linchpin. I know I've talked about it already, but it's for, for, for us, it's the linchpin of um, looking after children because yes. it, 
if they are able to regulate their eating, their sleep, their thinking, their behavior, that's essentially what resilience is. So that yes. no matter what does happen to them in their life, they will be able to, um, you know, tolerate, shall we say, the stress of living, yes. uh, whatever it throws at them. Um, so knowing and understanding uh, the best and optimal way to promote and develop that, I think, is a is a, is an essential element to being an excellent nanny. Uh, and I I suppose the third one for me would very much be about um, ensuring that you have the inclusive values mm. uh, that you help that child prepare to operate in a world that is inclusive, that is anti-discriminatory, uh, that is global, that is respectful. Uh, and so that you yourself have those the kind of values that you would want that child to have. Yes. So and I don't know how much they're actual tips uh, <laughs> so much, but, 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 for, 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 but there's, there's certainly the core elements that we're um, trying to promote with our own uh, uh, um, students and you know knowing that they're going to opt to go on to a professional role that's another layer to all of this is that childcare in general is viewed as low status low value low paid um, our graduates thankfully not uh, in low in terms of salary but certainly they are st still deemed low low status and, and low skills we know different and yes. so we've a professional association of Norlanders and I think that the more nannies join professional associations like the ones you have uh, over in America, uh, the better, really. Uh, and we ensure through that process that our nannies um, continue with their professional development. Uh, another important element to being uh, an effective nanny, I think, to stay up to date, to make sure that you're reflecting current uh, best practice uh, and so on. So that's, I guess that's a full top tip, if anything. <laughs> uh, and so on so yeah I think I, we, we would flag up those things so. fantastic um, so if a student is interested in joining Norland or getting more information about Norland um, how would they go about it well all they have to do is just uh, google Norland College <laughs> and uh, it, everything's there you know the the application process if you're an international student all that information is there as well uh you have to go through a particular system in england um but that is explained to you on our website we have um sort of live chats that you can have with current students so you can get the real inside information there lovely uh, as well and or you can literally just uh, um contact you know email admissions Okay. Uh, our admissions office. So all of this information is easily available. Of course, sign up to our social media accounts. Mm -hmm. We've got many, many um, documentaries. Oh, by the way, it's important to mention yes. that many of these documentaries don't necessarily have the content that we would want to <laughs> flag up. You know, they're, they're mostly interested in the the skid pan. Yes, which is another part of our uh, our value added, and it's not training them to escape paparazzi like these people. Like they say, yes. This is about safe, 
driving, driving. difficult circumstances with two crying children in the back after a long day and the roads are treacherous and we, we know that the world's weather is getting more and more complicated. So this is all about um, optimizing um, their capacity to look after young children. So um, so yeah, so you can you can watch the documentaries and get an insight, but do have a look at the information that we provide as well, uh, which gives you much more the breadth of what we offer uh, as, and so on. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Janet. It was lovely to hear everything about Norland and um, hopefully we'll see you again soon. Thank you so much. And may I just finish off by saying yes. that we do welcome uh, anyone and everyone uh, to Norland. And so um, one thing that we're particularly keen to challenge is imposter syndrome. I suspect you've heard of it over there. Yes. We hear this a lot from our students thinking, oh, I don't, you know, I don't think I'd be able to be in Norland Nanny. But, you know, we, we do encourage uh, people to come along. We, there are many different families out there. We need many different students. And don't forget, you'll be coming to one of the best places in the world, which has recently been endorsed uh, as a showing off in the background. And if you don't know what that means, it's a Teaching Excellence Gold Award. And this is awarded by the um, uh, English government um, to uh, higher education institutions like ourselves, because we're the equivalent of a new university. We're not quite called Norland uh, University yet, but we will be. Uh, you go on a little journey for that. Yes. Uh, and uh, we were ordered the top, top prize for that. So that's not us saying we're the best in the world. That's the, um, the, the, the university regulator and the British government saying we're one of the best. So, uh, so you can be reassured that you really will be getting a high quality course and a high quality experience. Thank, thank you. you very much for having me. I really appreciate uh, you um, wanting to hear more about Norland. You're very welcome and congratulations on your award. Thank you. Okay. <laughs>